Christians. Yes. All right. That's exciting stuff. Yes. She said she didn't need a microphone. She was right. <laughs> wow. So all week long, I thought, you know, I probably ought to come Sunday morning and apologize for preaching so long last week. And then I thought, well, you know, what? I could since I preached both messages last week, I could just close in prayer. We could go home early. And then I thought, no, I that's not going to work either. But. Uh, we have several folks in our church family that we ought to remember in prayer this morning. And I just want to suggest to you that we would bow our heads. And let me suggest to you, and let's just, each of us pray for these in, in our family that uh, just need a special touch and a special help from the Lord this morning. Will you do that with me? Let's just bow our heads together and let me suggest. First of all, would you remember uh, Sandy Goodwin? She had uh, surgery Friday to detach her Achilles tendon and shave off some bone spurs and reattach. She's got about two and a half months of recovery without putting weight on that foot. So pray for Sandy this morning. It's going to be a, I don't know about you, but I'm just sitting still for a couple of months is beyond my ability. So would you just pray for Sandy and pray for Dave as well. Joyce Morrow is scheduled tomorrow for a full body CAT scan looking for cancer. I can't imagine that's much fun either. Would you just think of uh, Ron and Joyce just now in this moment? Pray for them. Commit them to the Lord as they wait on Him and trust Him in these days. And then let's remember Rhonda Lipson as she has uh, begun a long series of chemo uh, treatments that are going to take place every three weeks over the next almost four months, I think. Uh, she's up in Roseville with a daughter and just pray for her, for God's strength, God's presence to be her reality with the anticipation of losing hair and other fun stuff that goes along with chemo. Let's remember Rhonda this morning and pray for her. you continue to pray with me for the Rory Todd, the son of our friends Richard and Claudia Todd. Rory uh, came out of surgery Thursday, um, a successful surgery, removing the brain tumor, and yet there's some lingering uh, consequences and some rehab time. Uh, would you just remember Rory, remember his family, pray for them in just this moment of time. take a moment and pray for our country. We're in a, just a strategic, strategic time with the election coming in November. Um, I just feel the press of how important uh, this election is. Would you pray for our country in this pandemic, all these uh, riots and, and upheaval? Pray for our country that God would work and move, not so much that we would have peace and safety, but most importantly that people would come to know Jesus in the midst of all this stuff that's going on. One of 
of the consequences of this pandemic perhaps as scary or dangerous or having as many consequences is the, the impact of depression, despair in the hearts of so many people. Maybe people you know, maybe friends, maybe relatives, people you work with, maybe parts of our family right here at Grace. You pray that God would work and move in in people's hearts, that they might experience the joy of the Lord in the midst of these difficult days. Lord, I'm grateful this morning for your promise when you tell us to call unto you that you will hear, you will answer, you will show us great and mighty things that we do not know. And so, Lord, for each of these that we pray for this morning, uh, we trust you to accomplish your purposes, to accomplish your best. Thank you for your promises that you cause all things to work together for good to those who love you, to those who are called according to your purpose. Thank you for the promise, the reminder that you're working all things after the counsel of your own will. And so, Lord, this morning our trust and our confidence is in you. And, Lord, in the midst of all the turmoil, all the instability, all the, just the stuff that we're dealing with, we were reminded earlier in our worship set to keep our eyes on you, to focus on you. Lord, we're so easily drawn to put our eyes on the size of our problems the size of our pandemic, the size of the impact that all this stuff is having. Help us to shift our gaze, to put our focus on you. You are bigger than our problems. You are mightier than any pandemic. You are stronger and able to do exceeding abundantly above and beyond all that we ask or think. And so Lord, this morning, our focus is on you. Help us to keep our eyes there, to not be distracted by all this stuff the news that we see on the television, the newspapers. Help us to keep our eyes on you. On your grace, your love, your mercy, your care for us. Remind us, Lord, remind us. You've loved us with an everlasting love. Nothing's going to change that. And so we come this morning to worship you, and even as we open our Bibles together, to worship you through the scriptures. Lord, it's your voice that we wish to hear. Not mine, your voice. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak, that our hearts would be open to hear, to respond this morning to what you have for us. Thank you for doing that as we ask in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Well, last week I spent quite a bit of time, didn't I? Talking to you about adventure. And we discovered together and had conversation together that adventures are supposed to be fun and exciting, right? But we also reminded ourselves that adventures can be risky, scary, dangerous, hazardous. Adventures are kind of like that. I was sharing with my friend Don Lawrence yesterday after our bike ride, and he was telling me about it. He's teaching online classes for... um, which one of those schools is it, Don? I'm going blank. But uh, Fresno Pacific. Anyway, he's teaching a class on sports ethics, and he sends a devotional every week that he wants the students to respond to. And he was telling me about the devotional he wrote this week 
where he had climbed the face of the royal arches in Yosemite. If you're familiar with the turf there in Yosemite, God's great cathedral. And he not only climbed up, but he rappelled down. And he rappelled down with one of his students. And they took turns coming down in different shifts. And they, they finally got on the ground. And the student removed her harness that she was wearing and, and went to give it to Don. And Don said, no, no. You keep it. I want you to have this as a memento of this adventure, this exciting time. And she said, no, I want you to have it because I'm never doing this again. (laughs) Adventures sometimes can be like that. But God is calling us, you and me, our church family, to adventure. And we looked last week and suggested several models of adventure that we might look to in the scriptures. And if you remember, we kind of focused on Joshua. And so I want you to come with me again to Joshua chapter 1 to remind us of this great adventure that God called Joshua on. This great opportunity to go into the land that God had promised to give to His people. And so the book of Joshua... Chapter 1 opens with these words. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness of this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun, will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I suggested to you last week that there's three parts of this message that God gives to Joshua. That I believe God is speaking to us about at the same time. The first is, for Joshua and the people of God, as well as for you and me and Grace Norwalk, is this is a time of change, a time of challenge, and a time of choice. And last week we talked about this idea of change. And we agreed together that most of us don't like change, right? Most of us resist change. We kind of like things to continue. We like to be comfortable. We like the status quo to continue. We're not big fans of change. I suspect that was probably true for the children of Israel. For Joshua, I suggested to you last week, this is a huge change for him, wasn't it? He's replacing this guy Moses. 
Moses is the guy who brought the ten plagues on Egypt. He divided the Red Sea. He's the man that God gave the Ten Commandments to and he brought them down from the mountain. He's the one that gave them manna in the wilderness and water out of the rock and Joshua had to follow that guy. That's a big change. It's a big change for the people of God because they've been following Moses, this guy that divided the Red Sea and everything else. And now here's Joshua. And so it was a time of change, a time of transition, just as this is a time of change and a time of transition for us. None of us expected to be here today, right? I mean, when I say here, I mean in this situation. We never expected that we would be here looking for a new pastor, forming a search committee. We never expected to be here. You never expected to have to deal with me every Sunday morning. As Tom is often saying, yep, it's me again. This isn't where we expected to be. But guess what? This is where God wants us to be. Thank you. I needed an amen on that. This is where God has brought us. This is where God wants us to be. We're exactly where God wants us to be in His plan. Even though this isn't our plan and not where we want it to be. It's a time of change. It's a time of transition. It's uncomfortable. It's awkward in so many ways. But this is where God has us. And so, not only is it a time of change, Moses has died, and Joshua is in charge, and his task, well, what's the challenge that God gives to Joshua? What's the challenge? Summarized in two words. Arise, cross. And yes, he's going to be the leader. He's going to lead them. And so God's challenge for Joshua is arise and cross the Jordan. Arise. Let's get going, is what God is saying to Joshua. Let's get going. And that's what I want to suggest to you this morning, that God's message to us is, let's get going. And I'm not getting a lot of feedback to know how people are responding when I say what I'm going to say to you publicly, what I've been saying to our elders and deacons. I do not believe it is God's plan for us to put the Grace Norwalk bus into neutral and wait for a new pastor to come. I do not believe that's what God wants us to do. I believe in my heart of hearts that God wants us to press on, to move forward, to keep going. We're not going to just sit and wait. We're going to rise and cross. I believe that's what God wants us to do. That's the challenge before us, to arise and to cross. The challenge that we have is for us to choose as the family here at Grace Norwalk. It is for us to choose where our church is going to go in the next 10 to 20 years. It's for us to decide as a family, what does God want for us? What is He speaking into your heart, into your life, is what He wants for us? What is our dream that Grace Norwalk would be known for 10 years from now? That's what I want to know. It it isn't about what Roy wants. It isn't about what any one of us individually wants. The important thing is what? What does Jesus want for our church? For this church family? What does He want to see us accomplish here in this place? That's 
That's what I want to know. That's how I'm praying. God, show us where you want us to go, where you want us to be headed, what you want us to be doing, what you wish for us to accomplish. And when we figure that out under God's guidance and the Holy Spirit's leading, God's going to lead us to a man that will embrace where we're headed and help us to get there. That's my expectation, that's my prayer, and that's my hope. That's the challenge that's before us. Lots of things have changed. But there's a lot of things that are still true that haven't changed. What hasn't changed? What's that? God is still here. Yes, and not only is He here, but God is on His throne. He's in charge. That hasn't changed, right? God's still in charge. He's still in control. He's still the one we're looking for. What else hasn't changed? This book is still true. The scriptures are still true. All the promises of God are still true today in the midst of change and transition. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That promise is still true, isn't it? And Jesus said, He's going to be with us till the end of the age. The promises of God are still true. The scriptures are true. Jesus is still Lord. So some things are still the same. Lots of things have changed. But as you think about the challenge before us, look at the challenge that Joshua faced. What was the challenge he had? I said that his simple challenge was to arise and cross. He's going to cross over the Jordan River. He's going to take the children of Israel with him. And their task is to conquer a land. They're not moving into empty, empty territory, right? They're moving into occupied turf. Occupied by pagan, ungodly, idol-worshipping, the list could go on. They're going in to conquer, conquest. Arise and cross. And God says, I'm giving you this place. So the challenge involves, first of all, a promised place. And if you read the scriptures, here in Joshua chapter 1, the place that God promises to give them is a lot bigger than that little chunk of turf that Israel occupies today along the side of the Mediterranean. It says it's going to go as far east as what? The Euphrates River. Now if you pull out a map today, and you look at that map between the Mediterranean Sea, I need to turn around so I get the, you know, the Mediterranean Sea, if you got that map in front of you, right? Mediterranean Sea's out here to the west. All the way out here in the east is the Euphrates River, right? So today, what lies between Israel and the Euphrates River? Lebanon, Syria, part of Saudi Arabia, Iraq. There's a whole chunk of turf out there that they don't have today. But God promised a place to His people that He's given to them. And part of the challenge they had was to go in and occupy the place that God promised to give to them. I'd like you to think about that for a minute. Has God given us a place? 
Has God given us a place? Yeah. It's right here. We're sitting on it. God, in His grace, kindness, mercy, whatever other words you want to throw in there, has blessed us, gifted us, with a strategic piece of property. I don't know, three and a half acres, Don? How big is this chunk of dirt we occupy? A couple of acres. This is God's gift. Our place to occupy. And I walk around this place... I, will, I look at these classrooms, I look at our worship space, I look at our fellowship hall, I look at the, the section that's now occupied by Urban Hope, and as I walk around this place and I pray, my prayer is this, God, what do you want us to do with this place that you've given to us? Could we be doing more with this place? Could we be making a greater impact for the kingdom of Jesus on this piece of property? Could we be doing more? You probably don't want to hear me tell you the things that I'm thinking about and wondering what God wants to do. But He's given us a place. And the call and the challenge for us is to do what? Use it for His glory. Maximize it for His kingdom. This place is as much a challenge for us as the place that God was calling Joshua and the people of God to occupy. We have a place. And in my heart of hearts, I believe that we could be doing much, much more. We could be accomplishing much, much more for God's kingdom. Our mandate from Jesus is what? Go into all the world and do what? Make disciples. And we do that, yes, someone just said it over here, by preaching the gospel. The mandate is go into all the world and make disciples. Could we be doing more here on the place that God has given to us? I think we can. Our mandate is not to preserve this place. Our mandate is to wear it out. Don, you don't want to hear that, I know. Our mandate is to wear this place out with ministry. Reach people for Jesus. People come to faith and grow and multiply, right? That's God's desire. God's heart for us. And I've probably driven more people crazy in the last 50 years by quoting Proverbs 14.4 to them. Uh, I oftentimes say, I always want to be a Proverbs 14.4 church. And you're sitting there going, what does Proverbs 14.4 say, right? Well, I'm going to tell, this may surprise you, I'm going to tell you what Proverbs 14.4 says. Proverbs 14.4 says, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean. But, my favorite word in all the Bible, but there is much increase from the strength of the oxen. And so if our goal is to preserve this property or anything that we own and possess, if our goal is to preserve it, what's the secret? Keep people away because people are messy. People are dirty, right? But there's much increase for the strength of the oxen. And so I believe God wants us to maximize this property, use it for His glory. This is the place that God has given to us, His gift to us to use for His glory, for His kingdom. And I've got ideas that you probably aren't ready to hear yet, but someday maybe. Um, I just think God wants to do more. So our, the first place we have is this, this property. This great 
piece of property. The second place that God has put us in is this community, the city of Norwalk, the 14th most populous city in L.A. County. Strategically located on the corner of Studebaker and Buster Road, the city of Norwalk. A population of 105,000 people. Why has God parked us here in Norwalk? God has parked us here in Norwalk so that we can reach our neighborhood, our community, our city for Him. How does He want us to do that? I don't know totally. I've got, again, I've got ideas. Ideas are like opinions, right? Everybody has one. They're like noses. Everybody has one. Everybody has opinions. Everybody has ideas. My ideas are no better than yours. That's why I want to hear from you. What do you you believe God wants to do here? He has placed us in this community on this piece of property for His glory. That's why we're here. To reach people for Jesus. I had a great conversation with Beth this week talking about our outreach commission and what could God be calling us to do and yes, how, how can we get back into Boyle Heights and how can we be reaching people there but at the same time, what can we be doing here in Norwalk? What can we be doing strategically here? And Beth and I talked about uh, let's find a couple of parks in the city and go find people. You know, we don't need to go to Boyle Heights. We want to continue that ministry. But why can't we do some of the same kinds of stuff here in our community, right? Somebody say right, please. Um, So, Joshua had a place that God had given to them. The people's challenge was to occupy it. God's given to us a place. This property, the city of Norwalk. And by the way... God has given each one of us a place. Individually, a place. You have a neighborhood where you live, right? You have neighbors and people that live around you and near you. People that need to know Jesus. You have a place of... Well, many of us are retired, or some of us were retired. Um, But you, you have a place where you connect with people. You have places where you connect socially with people. Large part of your social network may be right here in, in our church. But God has put you exactly where you are. The place where you live today, God put you there for a reason. God parked you there for a purpose. He didn't simply put you there so you have a place to go home at night to eat dinner and go to bed and get up the next day. God has a purpose for each one of us in the place He's put us, right? God has His people. Carefully they are placed where He can use them to show His love and grace. God has His people daily living out their lives in simple, subtle ways They are salt and light. And no matter where He places you, there's a purpose and a plan. He has never wasted anyone whose life is in His hand. You see, God has a place. He's put us in a place. 
He's put us in a place collectively on this property, but individually, or as a family, each one of us has a place where we can touch people for Jesus. As the words of that song that I just read said, He's placed us where He can use us to show His love and grace. He wants to do that. That's His purpose. That's His plan. That we would show people His love and His grace. Is that a little scary for you this morning to think about it that way? He's put you exactly where you are. He has a purpose. He has a plan. And I guess the question from my perspective is, am I tuned into His plan? Am I even conscious of His plan? Am I even thinking about His plan? What could I be doing in, in my neighborhood? How could I be connecting with my neighbors? <clears throat> my friend Lynn Hoffman, wife of Pastor Paul Hoffman, said to Paul one night as they were praying together while he was pastoring our church up in Auburn. I think they were up there when she said this. But she asked him a question. And the question was kind of along these lines. I don't know if this is the right word. But the question she asked is, what would happen if we really loved our neighbors? What would happen if we really loved our neighbors? What would happen if we really loved the people we work with? What would happen if we really loved the people we socialize with? What would happen? That's a great question. You know, I found myself praying about this, thinking about this, and I realized all of my social networks are 32 plus miles away from here. The people that I ride bicycles with, the people that I uh, social with in our city, the people that I connect with, they're all 35 miles away from here. And as I was praying about that, thinking about that, What impressed me was there's nothing that hinders me from creating and connecting with social networks in Norwalk. Right? And so I'm looking for bike clubs that ride regularly in our community. Are there cyclists in Downey, Norwalk? Bellflower. Are there there cycling groups in this area that I can connect with and meet people and connect with people? I don't know. I haven't discovered that yet. I've been online looking. I'm going to have to go up to the bike shop up the street and ask some questions. One of my major social networks over the last 25 years has been mortuaries. There was a point in my life where I was in between churches trying to figure out what God wanted to do. And if you want to hear the whole story, ask me. But the short story is, I went around to several mortuaries making myself available to provide services if they needed help. And if I'm correct from the research I've done, there's seven mortuaries within a circle of probably five to ten miles of where I'm standing right now. And so I've begun praying that God would give me favor as I make connections with mortuaries, introduce myself and ask for if there's opportunity for me to help them and to serve families. You see, God wants us to connect with people. He wants to use us where He's placed us. 
And so I'm saying to the Lord, Lord, you've placed me in Norwalk. This wasn't my plan. This wasn't what I wanted. You know, this, this is your doing, right? This is God's doing. And so I'm asking myself, do I need to kind of shift my social network? I'm not going to move to Norwalk. That's probably not very likely. Not likely at all. <laughs> this can't happen. But I can shift my focus and find people in this place that God has put me. You see, for Joshua and the people of God, God had a place for them. But He has a place for us, for all of us. I found it a little... I don't know what the right... I was going to say ironic. I don't know that that's the right word. But a week ago Thursday, on August 20th, I went out into the garage, into my filing cabinets, and as I had been preparing to preach and to teach out of Joshua chapter 1, I'd been studying Joshua and reading, and I thought to myself... I've got in my files, I'm sure, some study notes from the book of Joshua. And I've been collecting sermon notes and stuff since I was in junior high. I've got seven file cabinets in my garage. And so I went out to my Joshua file folder and pulled it out of the drawer. I sat down on my chair in the patio and I opened that file folder. On the top of that file folder with all my notes from the book of Joshua for the last... 50 years I found two pieces of paper I have no idea why they were there it makes no sense that they were there but there they were one was a trash bill for the church in Alcoloma from the year 2011 the other piece of paper was a letter that I'd received apparently that month and it was a letter from the Grace Brethren Church in Norwalk. And it said, I remember, did I just tell you the date that I was sitting in my chair reading this? August 20th. And the letter begins, Dear Pastor, Church, and Friends, On August 20th, 1910, the Compton Avenue Brethren Church was incorporated under the laws of the state of California in the pastoral leadership of Martin Shively. And from there it goes on to announce the celebration of 100 years of God's faithfulness. And I was invited to come to a celebration that included a luncheon and whatever. And I just thought, this is a, I don't know if it's got a sense of humor or what's going on here. But here's this random piece of paper that why did I hang on to it? Why did I put it in this file folder nine years ago? And I'm pulling it out exactly on August 20th. And so on August 20th, if my math is correct, our church has officially, under the laws of the state of California, been in existence for now 110 years. Thank you for doing the math for me. And so here we are, 110 years, and God has blessed our church in so many ways. There's been some high points, right? And some low points. And God has brought us through the highs and the lows. He's put us in this place. 
And He has a purpose and a plan. And His purpose and plan for us is to fulfill the mandate that Jesus gave us 2,000 years ago. To go into all the world and make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And then it follows that great promise, right? Lo, I am with you, even to the end of the age. And so here we sit this morning in this place that God has given to us. It's a time of change. It's a time of challenge. It's a time of choice. And you're going to be delighted to know that I'm not going to keep going to the time of choice and the rest of my notes on the time of challenge. i got so much I want to share with you. It's scary and crazy. And so I want to repeat what I shared with you last week. That what God is calling in your life and in my life as we face this time of change and this time of challenge and this time of choice, what God is calling for us is three things. Same three things I told you last Sunday, I'm going to tell you again. He's calling on us to pray, to serve, and to surrender. I believe that God wants each one of us praying regularly for this church, for our church leaders, our search committee, pray for me, pray for our future pastor. We need to be praying. God, what is your will? What is your plan? What is your desire? Because that's the most important thing. It's what God wants, not what I want or what you want for that matter. God, what do you want? We need to be praying. I suggested to you that if you want to join me for prayer, about a quarter of ten, we're meeting in my office, my little prayer room. Uh, Half a dozen or so join me this morning. I may have to drag more chairs in unless they like standing. Uh, We just had a phenomenal time of prayer. I'm so grateful that each one came and shared that time, shared that space. Feel free to come and join us 15 minutes before the service starts at 10. I've been asking people to join what I call my PRPT, Pastor Roy's Prayer Team. I've got about a dozen people. I send an email to, trying to do that every Monday, what to pray for this week. Uh, We have a church-wide prayer chain that people are praying. We need to be a church of prayer. You know, that's a lesson Pastor Rick tried to teach us, tried to demonstrate it week by week. We need to be a church of prayer. We need to be people committed not only to praying, but to serving. And I suggested to you last week that for far too many people, of course nobody here in this space, but for far too many people, they choose a church based on serve us, rather than looking for opportunities to do service and to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I'm grateful here in this place there are so many people that have that heart and that commitment to serve. We need more people to serve. That's the bottom line. We need more people to help with our setup and our teardown. I was delighted last week to see so many people kind of chipping in and helping. Uh, We had some extra folks this morning helping. We need help. We need help. I had the opportunity this week to sit with Eddie and to talk about our fellowship commission. We need help. We need people to come alongside he and Patty and to help us to organize and and to dream a little bit about what we can do to help get our family together and socialize together, even in the midst of the pandemic. Uh, We need help. I sat and talked with Vet, and we talked about the the Outreach Commission, as I said, and some of the things that we could be doing. What has God made us to do? We need more help. We need people with hearts to serve. Victor and I are going to talk today, I hope, 
uh, about our care commission. And I know his, his commission needs help. People that will reach out and care. Uh, we need to care for members of our family. We have members of our family that are hurting. We, need to, we have members of our family that are depressed. Members of our family that are, I don't want to say they're in despair, but these are hard times to be stuck at home. Hard times. And I have a son who keeps telling me I need to be careful about going out and being with people. I'm going to bring the, the virus back to my wife. And I, I guess that could happen. But I, I need to be out with people. That's how I live my life. We need to care for each other in our family. And so all I'm saying is we need to pray and we need to serve. And then the third thing I'm suggesting to you is a message that Pastor Rick's been giving us all year long. We need to surrender. And again, I'm not saying surrender to Roy. Don't surrender to the elders and deacons or other leaders in our church. The person we surrender to is always the same one we all surrender to, right? It's Jesus. He's the one we surrender to. We surrender to the Savior. Are we willing to surrender our desires, our ambitions, our hopes, our plans, and surrender them and submit them to Jesus? Jesus, what do you want? What's your will? What's your plan? We need to surrender to Jesus. We also need to surrender to the Scriptures. You know, we're going to get there, hopefully in a week or two, but if you're paying attention when I'm reading chapter 1, the big focus of be strong and courageous is grounded in what? This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate there in day and night. We need to surrender to the Scriptures. Surrender to our Savior, to the Scriptures, and then we need to be surrendering to God's Spirit, for the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us. That's true for me in my life, and I believe that's what God wants in your life as well. That we would be praying people, serving people, surrendering people. Lord, help us to do that. It is not in our human nature to serve. It is not in our being to serve. We we want to be served. We like being served. And I know when I go out to eat, I don't want to go stand in line and serve myself. I want someone to come to the table and serve me. And Lord, so often we approach church that way as well. We want to be served. And I thank you that in this family you have placed it in the hearts of so many to serve. And so Lord, I believe you're calling us to pray, to serve, and then you're calling us also to surrender to you. Lord, I pray that you would make that a very real, deep, passionate, heartfelt desire for each one of us to be fully surrendered to you, to your word, to your Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to accomplish your purpose here on this property, this place where you put us. We want to accomplish your vision, your dream, your hope. And we just want to believe that we're privileged to serve you as you lead us, as you guide us, as you direct us. Put us into contact with people that are ready to hear the gospel and ready to respond. Put us next to neighbors, co-workers, people in our communities whose hearts you've prepared to respond 
to the message of the Savior. Lord, find us faithful this week as those who are surrendered to you, serving you, praying, seeking your will and direction in our hearts and lives. Help us to be those kind of people for your glory, for the advance of your kingdom. Is our prayer together as we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
time this morning in Psalm 46, where it speaks of God being our refuge, a very present help in time of trouble. And repeated in that 46th Psalm is the phrase frequently, our God, the God of Jacob, is with us. He's with us here. He's with you as you go into the week ahead of you. So as Jesus goes with you this week, let him shine his light through you to a lost world that needs to know him. Have a great week. Amen. Yeah.